The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. Well, now it's time for our Friday Forum, and I am joined by Paul McAuliffe, Fianna TD for Dublin Northwest, and by Jennifer Whitmore, Social Democrat TD for Wicklow, and by Craig Hughes, political correspondent with the Irish Daily Mail. Um, we'll talk about a number of topics this week, but some of the topics that dominated were the, the idea and the rouse around um, the Ukrainians going to glamp in Strad Valley. Jennifer. Oh, I, I think they certainly won't be glamping, Pat. Um, I think, you know, I think it, that we're at the point now where it is official government policy to be housing refugees in tents um, is just completely unacceptable. Um, we're coming now, into Now, other winter. countries do it, but they tend to be in military-style army tents, uh, not in glamps. Yeah, and, and I think even if other countries do it, I, I still don't think it's acceptable. We're coming into a winter. It's going to be cold. It's going to be wet. These are going to be primarily women and children. You know, what schools are the children going to go to? They're I not. Mean, they're not. So they're going to be tutored on site. Yeah, see, like look at that. I, I think I think it's, it's it's as if the government is sort of thrown in the towel on on providing any sort of medium term solution to this problem. Mm. We've had this for now eighteen months, and um, there are many many solutions, and the government just has not progressed them. And I think now they're saying, well, look, we'll put them in tents and we'll try to forget about okay. it. It's just not acceptable. And by the way, this weekend it's air conditioning they need, not heaters, mm. and they do have access to heaters. We are told. So, uh, Paul, this is the lowest of the low at this point. Well, to say the government is throwing in the towel when Ireland has accepted 90,000 people from Ukraine who are fleeing the war, I think is a bit glib. You know, Ireland has taken a huge number of people. Uh, by and large, we have only required tented accommodation on for short periods, but we have used it. And we I did in Grange Gorman, or in, uh, in where was it? In, in Clare. North- Nor- Clare, was it? Yeah, was there, were, there were instances in, in Clare and, and elsewhere. Look, and, and as I say, it has only been for short periods in the in, in the past. Like, Gormanston is where I was there, thinking. There are refugee camps all over the world when, when in, in situations of war. So the use of tents is not is not unusual. I think the Tanisha said yesterday that he hopes that it will be for short periods of time. And I think, that, uh, by and large, we have to acknowledge well, how, we, to, how well, how well we have handled... It can't be there past next August because already Electric Picnic has sold out for next year and in I, an hour. Yeah. Um, so th- that is a deadline. But the government is saying it'll be for just a few weeks. Um, Craig, what do you say? Well, I was, I was actually at a press conference with, with Minister Radhika Gorman uh, ye- yesterday and what was clear from his comments were that tented accommodation is now part of, of, of the plan. He had said previously that he hoped uh, never to have to be, to, to, for tents not to be used uh, going forward. We're back into the situation now where that is going to be the, the, the kind of failed safe when they run out of, of housing. I think they're, they're looking at around 700 tents is, is the figure that, 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 that Minister Gorman said yesterday. Um, and I think it's... I think I have to say there is a bit of a failure in terms of bringing back housing that isn't there already. When you look at something like the rent of room scheme or, or, or trying to bring back more of, of the kind of vacant housing, um, they probably should have done more on that. Yeah. Now, the, the question of what to do with all the people coming in, because mm. we had thought that the big influx, which it did happen in uh, February of last year, but still 650 uh, Ukrainians are coming here every single week. Now, if you take a typical hotel might have a uh, hundred bedrooms mm. and you might have two people in a bedroom, you're looking for two hotels a week becoming available. 
I mean, that simply is not possible. Jennifer. Oh, look, I think the thing is, Pat, this this is an issue that's just not going to go away. I think the government had hoped that it would peak and then it would just, you know, that they'd yeah, manage it. We all it. hoped the war would end. Would end, exactly. And, it, and it's not. And I think there has been a failure of the government to, to really look at this as a medium or long term issue. Um, it is challenging. I don't think anyone could ever dispute that this is challenging for the government. But there are solutions that are there. As Craig said, there is existing accommodation. I mean, if you just look even at the Bagot Street Hospital. Now, it, everyone... But who talks to us about this at Durris, for example, we're on during the week and they say, sure, look at Baggett Street yeah. Hospital. Now, the best will in the world, that might take a week's worth of Ukrainian, in a pinch. Mm. 650 people in that Baggett Street facility, I'm not even sure, but suppose it was. So that's Baggett Street taken care of this week. What do we do for next but week? I suppose I'm just using that as an example of what could be done. The community around that area wanted used for Ukrainians. The developers actually offered money for it and the government said it would take nine months to do a feasibility study uh, to see whether it was possible. So I think I'm just using that as an explanation as that here's a solution and here's how the government is failing to actually oh, use the that solution. The government's far too slow. Nine months for a feasibility study? Yeah, I come back to the point that 100,000 people have come to Ireland fleeing a war um, and that is that that is a huge achievement that we have been able uh, to, to open our doors to people who are, who are desperately in need and by and large the vast, vast majority are not in tempted accommodation. So we, sh- we need to focus uh, on, on, on the success of that story too and how we provide a ch- uh, shelter and refuge. There are locations where, 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 we, where we could turn around. I know in my own constituency we have warehouses that are being used uh, to accommodate refugees and there's huge amounts of work needed to put in, to put in place even for very basic accommodation in that. So I think the Department... The Germans have used uh, um, warehouses uh, where obviously they have indoor uh, toilet facilities and all the rest of it. But basically what they've done is they partition the big open space mm, yeah. uh, so there's no ceiling on the rooms. But, but that is happening in, in, in Dublin and other places in the country as well. Um, so like the, the, it, we shouldn't underestimate the amount of work and at a very senior level in the Department of Children sure. uh, there, there are very senior people doing tasks that would otherwise have been done sure, but uh, by, 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 by much no, Craig but I think there's one area for example that there's clearly been a failure and that's the rollout of modular homes you know we've, we've, we were promised them for a long time and it's just simply is nowhere where it needs to be we saw in Jennifer's constituency a week ago the last day as well where local issues that I think the, the, especially the government parties need to come in on, on the councillors yeah. and, no, and no, get no, one, like one of the issues through. Craig is that uh, modular homes are actually mm-hmm. permanent homes I mean they're good for several decades mm-hmm. if they're yeah. uh, built well and we've seen some examples I think on this programme we talked about uh, modular homes in Sligo which look very very nice built by Cisc I think and they're fabulous um, but there are other kinds of solutions that are more temporary in nature and clearly temporary. You could be talking about mobile homes. You could be talking about uh, containers, which are, you know, shipping containers, which are modified to become individual units with privacy and all the rest, uh, with all, all mod cons that would suit maybe a family of two adults and two children. And they are, by definition, temporary. And therefore, locals need not be fearful of those kind of solutions. Whereas when they see modular homes and they think they're going to be there forever they may it may raise objection yeah but, and i guess the other thing that we have which would be kind of a bit more quicker turnaround is that the department of, of housing put out a call to every um state organization for for properties that were already within their remit 
that's been quite slow as well as well to turn around. And I guess you come into the, the realm of, of, of labour shortages when you talk about all the various different schemes. But I think on, on the modular, I mean, there was planning, special planning exemptions put in there and it just simply hasn't been delivered at the scale that we were expected or promised. Now, Paul, one of the issues that is a corollary of all of this, see, Ukrainians are allowed to work and if they uh, achieve a level of proficiency in language or even in some places where uh, a command of English might not be vital in some of the um, service industries that are crying out for help. Um, but the problem is for them to become independent, they've got to be able to source accommodation independently. And Irish people are finding it hard to source accommodation independently. And that's so that's compounding the problem. Yeah. And I suppose one of the biggest challenges we have in the uh, in response to the housing crisis, and there's a lot of a lot of areas where uh, where we've done work in that is the skill shortage. Uh, and we're doing work in terms of apprenticeships and so on. But it, it that 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 chicken and egg scenario of housing and additional labour to, to produce I mean, additional we have housing direct is people a challenge. In direct provision who have permission to stay in Ireland and they're still living in yeah, direct and they, provision. And they shouldn't be in direct provision. And in, real, in reality, in responding to the direct, like all of the parties in government came in to, to intend to abolish direct provision. And in fact, we've actually produced a system now which is below the standard of, of direct provision. And nobody wanted that, but it's a direct response to a very different international environment uh, that would have existed two or three years ago. Now, uh, a text from a listener, uh, Jennifer, aimed at you. Will you please ask Jennifer where the government is going to put the Ukrainian refugees? Refugees. They're using tents because there is nothing else. What is Jennifer's solution? Like the rest of the politicians, she is just talking. Well, no, I think, I mean, the, fir the first solution is look at the properties that we currently have in state control. And there are many, many empty properties across the state. And I gave an example of the Market Street. You gave Street. one, I gave which one. everyone gives. There's, I think currently in, in Wicklow, there are something like 10 HSC properties, buildings uh, that the HSC have said are surplus to requirements. And I would and imagine... they? I, I'm not sure, but I would imagine that is replicated all across the country. So I think the first but, but place... But hang on, you're a politician in Wicklow and you're advocating accommodation in Wicklow. Surely you should inform yourself as to how many square metres of potential accommodation are available. So when, when I put those questions to the HSC, they don't give me that information. I've just asked which which premises are surplus to requirements um, and they, gave me, they came back with that information. But I mean, this is something that the department has done. Uh, it has gone out and has asked all the other departments what premises they have available. And as Craig said, the other departments Departments are very, very slow to get involved in that process. The first thing we need to do is look at the properties that we currently have. Then it, it is a matter of looking at. And, and I do think modular homes will have to be one of the solutions as well. Craig, um, uh, the, years, uh, the, the uh, war is a year and a half old. Um, so looking at uh, the, 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 the list of potential properties, it is taking a long time. I mean, how do you crack the whip when you're dealing with, not with politicians who would certainly go out there and bang the drum, but with bureaucrats who are tasked with the job by government, the OPW or, or within the HSE or within any department, the Department of Justice, the Department of Education, mm. what have you got spare? Yeah, well, you could also turn it a different way. Why not incentivise it a bit more for people? So when you look at the level of, of spare rooms that, that we saw from the, from, the, from the census data, for example, quite significant in, in the ur urban, urban areas of your, your Dublin's, your Cork's, the um, Goa's, Limerick's. I mean, if you made, an, if you made that actually meaningful where you really incentivise people, I mean, the, the data from that 
flat. There are some homes where there's two and three bedrooms spare. Now, some people might say, oh, I don't want to share my home with mm-hmm. someone else. But if you make it worth their while, you know, it's a bit of a carrot and stick. Well, the government there. have responded in terms of mm-hmm. uh, the rent the rent and room scheme and extending that to people in local authority housing mm-hmm. uh, yeah. and people that are on social welfare payments. So there has been move. No, uh, that's, that's, that's 14 grand a year. I mean, so could you go beyond that? I mean, if, if we're really at the point now where we have all this money floating around um, in, in the government coffers, here's one avenue that could be potentially yeah. easy. And, and I do think the government need to communicate that a lot better. I don't think the communication is there. And indeed, when you know the Ukrainian war was started, a lot of people said that they had accommodation yeah. available. That process was a failure. I mean, I myself said I had a room yeah. available, but, Jennifer, but it took a year for someone fairness, to contact good, me and there the was tens that, of thousands of people that who were in a similar situation. Of, of uh, mm. couldn't have been sustained and many people withdrew from that process not because it was complicated but because they realised that they couldn't well, help somebody they, in their home They withdrew from the process because the process wasn't good um, they, they were waiting I, months I and months Well I, I was waiting a year for someone to come to me uh, and but, ask but whether my accommodation was you, you would have a more uh, I was, direct I was, line to the I Red was Cross chasing, yeah. I, I was chasing it up uh, I, had, I actually had people come out and see it that weren't suitable for that needed more, a bigger room than what I could provide. So we did go through that process, but now that room's not available mm. because... Um, someone know, so uh, telling me that uh, Wicklow County Council has just refused permission for modular homes. For two sites, yeah. So there was two so sites. The, on the one hand, you're saying we do everything we can, but then on the other hand, the council is saying no. Well, and, and I think this is this is an issue. I mean, something like 12 Fianna Gael and Fianna Fáil councillors voted against modular accommodation going on to two sites in Wicklow and West Wicklow. Um, and, you know, I think... And, and I look, I can understand it is challenging and I know people are worried about uh, resources and they're worrying about services and things like that but I think there is a responsibility on, on local councillors to really mirror what the national policy and government policy is on this as well you know um, and I think that's really important That and I think that communication is required as well. Of course wasn't. we've also taken steps in that area too so the requirement for local authorities to use uh, vote of councillors for part eight is now uh, is, yeah. is no longer required. Uh, there's no planning permission required for this is uh, for house. disposal of yeah, land. For, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That was only for three so we, years. So we have disposal. taken very significant steps to try and speed up that process. Yeah, uh, reading some of the texts. Uh, purpose-built student accommodation in Sligo uh, will not be made available to students this year because it's been used to house refugees. Actually, that was reversed, as far as I remember. Uh, we were talking to Martin. Yeah, there's three thousand uh, units uh, in total uh, that are, are coming back on stream. Um, so Ukrainians that find work still don't pay rent. Well, if they're in state-provided accommodation, uh, they don't, although there was some talk about them paying for food uh, if they are in employment or even enjoying uh, welfare uh, payments. Sick to the teeth of listening every day about housing refugees and fake refugees, families are back home with their parents again because they can't find homes. This election will show uh, the result of people's anger. Another one, what about closed nursing homes that are vacant? Well, you know, a lot of people were uh, maybe opting out of the nursing home sector because, you know, people are sick, they need medical care, whereas young uh, refugee families are generally healthy, they don't need the level of care. But the government has said, am I right, Paul, that you can't convert a refugee, uh, a nursing home into refugee accommodation for two years. Yeah, Minister Barry Butler has been very strong to try and int- retain the Because we're losing that nursing home capacity. Yeah. Um, there are five small schools in North Sligo that would gladly take uh, Ukrainian children in. Why can't we open up community centres and all the closed houses in these areas and provide rural link? There are holiday mobile homes all over the country that could be incentivised. Many permanent cab sites close for the winter season. That's from Barry in Kilkenny. Again, you, you, you do that and then come the, the tourist season, you're, you've got to find accommodation for people that you're displacing out of that accommodation. So anyway, intractable uh, problems. And as I say, over 600 uh, Ukrainians, never mind other s- seeking international protection coming every week. 
Um, speed limits, Craig. Mm. Dropping them all by, you know, by and large, 20 kilometres an hour to save lives. Well, are we, is, is what I would say. So, I mean, Minister Jack Chambers came out and announced this during the week, but then only this morning, we the Minister for Justice, Helen McEntee, um on Morning Ireland. She couldn't say whether the legislation would, would be ready by the end of 2024. And we all, we're all expecting an election by that time. So while it sounds good, and I think it, it's probably one of the only cards the government had to play, um, will it actually happen? That's the big question yeah. mark. And then also, I think we need to see the nuts and bolts of it. What leeway will local authorities have to, to revise those speed limits upwards again? But I think overall, it'll come down to enforcement. I mean, when I, was, I had a quick look at the uh, number of Guardi attached to r- roads policing, and I mean, it went from over 1,000 in 2010 to currently 664 in July. So when you, when you talk about introducing new laws, it'll, it'll all boil down to enforcement. Okay, so the, the problem is, though, that this blanket thing makes it appear that you're doing something. Mm. But I was on a particular road the other day and the speed limit was 60 and no one was doing less than 75. Mm. In other words, the public had decided 75 is actually safe on this road. And isn't that the problem? That when you say reduce all speed limits and there's a, a particular stretch just outside Galway where there's you know, four carriageways wide and the speed limit is something like 40. Yeah. And people are you're saying, this is ridiculous. Mm. So dropping universally without actually looking for appropriate speed limits in appropriate places does not make sense because the public simply won't... Yeah, and, and I think we can all come up with those examples of uh, of where speed limits, um, I suppose, in some way undermine the overall confidence in the system. But the reality is, if you reduce speed, you do reduce road deaths. That's a that's a reality. The, the big four causes of, of, of fatalities are uh, alcohol, distraction in the car with a mobile phone or another device like that, uh, and, and speeding. So if we reduce our speeds... Yeah, but we, the, the, we, if the, we reduce the speeding speeds, cars, so you don't know this lives. yet, Paul, and we're trying to find it out. Um, the people who are speeding are speeding within areas where they're well beyond the speed limit. In other words, would those lives have been saved if they adhered to the existing speed limit? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, well, uh, well it's, it's important to clarify what's actually being proposed. So what's being proposed is that the guidelines to local authorities uh, w- will be changed so that the default setting, for example, in a city, the default setting is automatically 50 kilometre road for every road. And then the local authority has to deviate from that. Local authorities will still vote on these uh, and each road uh, can be argued as myself and Jennifer and many other councillors mm. in our time would, would have argued for particular roads to be up or down. The default setting uh, of 100 kilometres allowed for some, some country roads just isn't it appropriate. It doesn't make sense, yeah. absolutely. We've all been on those roads. So it's, the default, it's the default we're Jennifer? changing rather than the blanket. Uh, yeah. blanket yeah. To, to Look, I, I, I think that there doesn't need to be, the speed limit needs to be set based on the condition of the road. I mean, we, we do have a very strange relationship but, with speed limits in this country. But didn't we have this idea where the, the max that is permitted is 100, but the driver is expected to use their own judgment as to whether or not that is appropriate. Yeah, but then when you have an 80 on a road that's barely more than a little boherine, yeah. then I think that does undermine confidence in it and yeah. people just think, oh, this is ridiculous. Um, but I, I do think as well that what's missing here is the need for enforcement. And you can have as many rules and laws in place as you want. And you can have, say, that the speed has to be a certain limit. 
But unless you have enforcement, unless you have the guards on the road and they're visible on the road and people are being held accountable when they go over that speed limit, I don't think we'll see a change. So I think enforcement is really what's necessary. And actually enforcement is something that the minister could be bringing in straight away. These laws will take, I think yeah. it could be two years Meantime, before. Meantime, sucking guard the, out of all units to police Dublin City. And, and this comes back to a, to a mm. fundamental lack of resources when it comes to public service um, and, and particularly in, in, in uh, the Gardaí. Like we have a problem in the Gardaí. We don't have enough Gardaí um, and what we're doing is we're sort of grabbing them from one area and trying to fix it you know um, and, and that's not working we need it we doesn't need look a like it's going to change shift. anytime soon it's either no, because no. It's, like it's, it's not attractive to go into the force well, at the moment political battle will be resumed shortly that's uh, the, the word and uh, of course we have the set piece of the budget coming up and all of that stuff but for the moment my thanks to Paul McCall of Fianna Fáil TD for Dublin North West Craig Hughes who's political correspondent with the Irish Daily Mail and Jennifer Whitmore Social Democrat TD for Wicklow The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk.